Christ, yeah. man. It really, you really can. You can use these methods with anything. All right. Well, hello. Let us uh, check and... Yes. Hi, everybody. We are live. Welcome to a live episode, very, very unique and different episode of my Sensibly Speaking podcast. Um, this is Chris Shelton, of course. I am the critical thinker at large. And we're coming at you live on YouTube this week. Um, I, as you can see here, I am welcoming back a guest I had on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Her name is Kat. Hi, Kat. Hello. All right, everybody. So, um, Kat, if you, I hope you guys are, you know, as, as we'll, we'll have people, uh, come on here as we get going through our little intro. Um, but let me see if I can find the, there we go. Comment box. Good. Excellent. Thank you, Exxon, for confirming that. Uh, we are all good. So, Kat is, um, you know, okay, let me let me say this. I think I said this during the podcast, too, but um, Kat's very special uh, because Kat did something. She stepped up and did something that a lot of people talk about doing or say should be done or comment on, um, but don't actually, you know, then go do something about it. And that is she, um, now this was a couple of years ago, she went into the Church of Scientology of Austin, Texas, with the intention, well, why don't you say, Kat, what was your intent in going in there in the first place? Um, Yeah, so I was basically, I was a stand-up comedian in Austin, and um, I had an idea. I'd been interested in Scientology for a long time, just uh, after reading Going Clear and a bunch of other uh, things, watching Chris's channel and Aaron's channel. Um, so I wanted to go in because I felt like there was no, um, there wasn't a whole lot of light outside of like what the church had published about like what was actually on the courses and in the classes. And so what I wanted to do was go learn what that was um, and then try to like roll it into some kind of comedic book or like a comedic uh, YouTube series or something like that to teach people like what's actually going on in the classes. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, in order to do that, I had to lie to them basically because the church doesn't take kindly to people being like, hey, let me just find out like what you guys do. I'm not really interested in like, like being part of your religion, but I want to... Um, investigate you they don't like that no they they don't (laughs) so i had to i had to lie exactly in fact they because and and this is actually kind of interesting because you know there's a lot of groups out there lots of the the by far the majority of groups whether it's religious political whatever whatever the social you know reason for the group there's a ton of groups out there who are totally fine with people coming in, checking out what they're about, talking to the people there, and then leaving. And it's no biggie. It's not, you know, uh, uh, you know. This was uh, this was contrasted with, um, uh, oh, what was in there? Reckless Ben, those guys who out in L.A. who were who were investigating Scientology, right? They went to other churches to show that you know they went to a catholic church or a christian church or something and the priest was practically throwing a bible at them they were like here yeah. take it, 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 it it's yours it's, I, I, he just pulled it right out of his pocket he was like here you go here's a bible and ben was like i don't have to pay you for this and the guy was like no i got plenty of them here you you know have at it right enjoy the work of the of god 
And it was very, you know, he was willing to talk. He was willing to answer questions. It was just not a big thing at all. And then you go into the Church of Scientology, and it's, you know, it's kind of quiet, and it's kind of mysterious, and it's sort of, you know, you got to be kind of careful about what you say because you don't want to set somebody off. What did you what did you think when you first 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 walked in there with this idea and they started talking to you? How did you present yourself and how did that initially roll out? Um so like day one just walking in uh I kind of knew that they're you know from everything that's been said about them that the first thing that they're going to want you to do is take the personality test. Um so it kind of lived up to my expectations like the first you know thing that we went through it was it's clearly like a pre-scripted thing. Like if you go into, like you said, the Catholic church, like you get different responses from whoever's like working at that time. But this is like, they want to take you on their ride. Exactly. So, yeah, that's yeah. a great way of putting it. I love that. They want to take yeah. you on their ride. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, I thought we would do this show this week, guys out there who are watching. We're doing this live because we would like to address your questions. We did a two-hour podcast talking about all kinds of aspects and and consequences and thoughts and ideas and emotions and attitudes and everything else about, you know, your experience uh, with Scientology. And the biggest takeaway, I thought, from the experience was that you had, um, you formed connections with people you didn't expect. Yeah. To have happen. And you found that there was a human side to this whole issue and it wasn't just a you know, stereotypical, cartoonish sort of thing. These are real people with real ideas, and they really believe this stuff, and they're and they're kind of earnest about it, and um, and it matters to them. And and you and you sort of made some human connections with that. Is that would that, would that be a, a right way of saying that? Yeah, that's definitely what happened because I was under the impression that like um, I could kind of go in and and take the courses and classes without. Uh, talking much to people or like getting involved with people that much but uh it's not like going you know going to a university class where like at the end of the class you just go home there was a lot of engagement social engagement um that ended up becoming um like you said like it was it was the takeaway the um the thing i wasn't expecting from the experience was that i actually ended up caring about a lot of people Exactly. And uh, and it's interesting that because I keep mentioning there's a lot of social engagement. It's not just about being a classroom with the Church of Scientology. It's not just about coming in and getting some counseling and feeling a little better and then going home and getting on with your life. Scientology wants to have you. It's a full immersion experience. (laughs) They want you, they want all parts of you to eventually be part of this thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, I will keep uh, coming up with uh, questions to ask you about all of this. But we would like to get uh, the audience participation on this as well. So if you guys out there have or have not watched our earlier podcast, totally fine, but you can throw any questions at us in the comment section of this video right now, and we will address those questions. And of course, we're, uh, you know, here to talk about Kat's experience. I will be happy to answer any other questions about Scientology or anything related to that topic 
in connection with Kat's story, but I was um, I would like her to be the main teller of the story here. This is interesting. I have a cousin that lives in Austin. I visited her in the late 70s when I had her drive me to the nearest Scientology org or mission so I could say hi from L.A. Cute. Yeah, good times there. So, um, oh, yeah, I was in South Bay. Okay, cool. Yeah, reading the comments here uh, as we're going. Um, what do you think was... I, don't, I think we've talked about what was the most surprising thing, which is what we were just mentioning there. Out of all the time, how long were you there from beginning to end? Um, I'd say my involvement with the Austin org lasted like a year and like a couple of months. Um, and then the extended contact with Flag after that lasted a few more months after that. So in total, the last... Like from beginning it, like first contact to the end where like uh, I had my last uh, interaction with someone um, was about a year and a half. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So not a short period of time. You were, you were mm-hmm. kind of invested in this. How mm-hmm. much money, do, do you mind if I ask how much money you ended up spending on the thing? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Uh, it was, um, <laughs> I think it was like less than a thousand dollars. Uh, I think maybe seven hundred, eight hundred dollars over the whole thing. Okay, cool. So a bit of an investment. You were serious yeah. about this. This was not just a, uh, a impulse buy or a, a you know something you did on a lark. You actually thought about this and went in and and really tried to do something with it. Yes, I mean I I, I came up against several moments, pivotal moments where I had to make a decision um, about how much more I wanted to invest to keep going, and the big one was the uh the the main chunk of the money which was the $500 uh HQS Hubbard qualified Scientologist course I deliberated about doing that for about 2 weeks and I concluded if I wanted to keep learning and if I wanted to learn a lot of like really uh basic Scientology stuff like um I would have to pay for that course and go ahead and do it so I deliberated for a while and and decided to pay for that and that took the big chunk of the money okay yeah, yeah, because yeah, and the Hubbard Qualified Scientologist course is. Would you describe it this way as a as a sort of survey of the basics of Scientology? Um, yeah, and with a heavy emphasis on the objectives. I mean, it's it's kind of like a mini SRD. Um, <laughs> right. The acronyms CR- are already flying. <laughs> the survival rundown. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of terminology in Scientology, as as most of my viewers know, and uh, and you get right into that headspace. You know, when you get involved yeah. <laughs> with Scientology and you start talking about things this way, because it's just how people talk in that world. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't say survival rundown. They say SRD. They, yeah. they say HQS, not Hubbard Qualified Scientologist Course. Nobody ever bothers with the long titles. They just yeah. Everybody's shortening everything up. And it's interesting mm-hmm. how that all by itself can, yeah, sure, it's an economy of words and all that, but it's also sort of a way to keep the immediacy, the, the, the urgency of it going even in the little things the devil's in the details with this stuff you know um okay good well we got a question got a couple questions rolling in here by the way hi uk hello united kingdom folks i'm glad we finally got a show on that 
is at a time frame where you guys can watch too. That was by design on this one, <laughs> so I'm glad. Because um, I can't often do, I can do live streams in the middle of the week, but, you know, on this end of the pond, everybody's working. So, you know, and, and it was uh, months ago, it was a little easier because not everybody was working. So I was doing shows in the middle of the day and everybody was home to watch. <laughs> but anyway, all right, well, let's see some of these questions here. Um, now, somebody's asking, can you give a short story about how you joined Scientology? Um, Mama Key 1987 says, um, I, I mean, for me, I was kind of almost born into it. And for Kat, she, as we covered earlier, she went in and, and did this because she wanted to, you wanted to find out what the deal was with it, write a book mm-hmm. or yeah. do, a, do a comedy show. At what point along the line, how far in did you realize your project was getting derailed somehow? <laughs> um, well, it's, it continued to be uh, useful what I was learning, but um, so everything was technically still going. Like I, I continued on the HQS toward till about November. And I think um, I had sort of accepted the fact that uh, I had started to make connections with people. So it didn't feel like it was derailed when it was really derailed was I got into ethics trouble for um, saying too much to people about uh, possibly leaving. And then, then it was just complete madness. Um, I mean, they took me off of the HQS and uh, put me through some ethics um, stuff. And it was just, it was craziness from then on. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah, they don't like it when you start making waves. Yeah, when they start putting the pressure on you, it's a totally different experience. Exactly, exactly. Are you still in contact? Um, oh, yes, yeah, so somebody's saying here, Christy is saying, I watched your earlier video, amazing how she kept herself grounded to her objective was wondering if Kat is still in contact with anyone from there. Um, no, I mean, I think that they have like one person that's allowed to talk to me and I've texted him. Uh, I texted him at the beginning of the pandemic and asked him how he was doing um, and how the org was doing. And um, he said that they were fine and that they were closed for now. Um, but it was, uh, uh, that was, it i mean he was the only person that responded right um and he did mention that uh if i wanted to come back to the org it would be a whole process and you'd have to talk to people right so. yeah exactly it would be a process especially <laughs> since you've been on my show now well, yeah yeah now, now <laughs> i think that process is out of out of the question yeah they have do you know about the a to e steps uh yeah yeah i i learned about that Okay, because the A for for the audience, the A A to E, A B C D E. These steps are what are referred to as the A as doing your A to E, and they are the steps you take if you have been declared a suppressive person in Scientology in order to get back in Scientology's good graces. Over the years, over the last uh, maybe 10, 15 years, they have started applying those steps regardless of whether you were declared suppressive or not. They will see, like for me, they never, they initially, they didn't declare me suppressive when they were first talking to me like they were talking to you because you were creating waves, you were making waves, you were being troublesome. And so they sat me down and said, okay, Chris, you have committed suppressive acts. 
we're not declaring you a suppressive, but you're going to do these A to E steps anyway. And that's been common practice with them. So they haven't even gone to the declare step with a bunch of people. So they might not even bother declaring you suppressive. But that still doesn't, but you still would have to do the steps you would have to do as a suppressive in order to get back in their good graces. Mm-hmm. So I find that kind of interesting. Um, but you, you were not declared suppressive as far as you know, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, the the last person that I talked to said that I was dead filed, and you said that that meant um, it could mean a lot of things. Yeah, dead filed is another term they use for do not contact this person. It originally came out of the Hubbard's policies on what do you do if you you got a file on a person, you've got all this information on them, they've been paying you money, etc., and then they die. So you take that file and you literally go put it in a cabinet called the dead files. But then they extended that to suppressives, bad hats, bad eggs, people they don't like. They get dead filed too. And what that means is that they no longer communicate with you. You're disconnected. You're, you know, you're persona non grata. But they don't necessarily have to go through the process of formally declaring you a suppressive, which is kind of a big deal in Scientology. There's a, there's a lot of paperwork connected to it. I don't know that that's clear in the big wide world. But when you get declared, it's after papers and stacks of folders and files and evidence and all this has has floated back and forth between various Sea Org people to approve the declare. You yeah, can't I feel just... like that'd be a lot of work for, you know, if they could just, you know, be like whatever. Exactly. And that's kind of what they are now is they're kind of whatever yeah. <laughs> with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, did they sec check you? Bert Pineapple asks. Uh, so they didn't like, I don't think it was a proper sec check. It was, um, I, you called it something one time. I, I told you about it. They did have me on the meter where they asked me a bunch of questions, but I, I can't remember what it was called. Maybe it was the, like something, it was something list. Um, a list. Okay. Well, there's a, yeah. um, there's a, there are a number of reasons people will go on the meter. There's an ethics interview. Um, mm-hmm. There is a PTS uh a to j check is what they call it that's a A pretty that was was it it was an a to j yeah Yeah. there we go okay yeah an a to j check this is another one of scientology's infamous acronyms right or (laughs) or contractions or whatever uh a to j is another policy called sources of trouble and um you know, it's, it's, I think it's called handling the, the handling the potential trouble source sources of trouble. Anyway, there's a there's a number of policies where Hubbard lays out people that you don't want to come into Scientology, to come into the organization, and these are called sources of trouble. And they check people when they come in, and they put them on the meter, and they ask them a series of questions to see if they fit the bill of one of these A, B, C, D, all the way up to J as a potential source of trouble. So that was, so you had that interview. Yeah, uh, I that one was kind of intense. I know that I passed it, <laughs> apparently, um, but it was like, so, it was one of the more strange parts of the whole ethics thing, um, was just sitting down in a room with someone and then like sort of grilling you. Like he was being very, he was super nice about it, but that made it even weirder. <laughs> what kind of how did you feel grilled what was happening and what kind of questions were being asked 
Um, I mean, they brought up uh, people. They they were asking me if I talked to Aaron or if I talked to you. Um, so they were asking about that. They were asking um, if I had anyone in my life that was anti an antagonistic to Scientology or if anyone had been trying to get me out of it. Um, and right now that's all I can remember, but it was just a lot of questions like that. Or like if I had any plans or plots or designs, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that was the most surreal and stressful was whenever they started asking me about people, um, if I knew certain people, um, because I did know them and I was talking to them. <laughs> right. And it was a little hard to keep a straight face whenever they're bringing up names. You're like, oh, shit. Right. Like, <laughs> Interesting. Very strange. Interesting. And did that interview happen before or after you were talking you know about how you told the sea org member hey you know you can leave <laughs> yeah this was this was after it was yeah. after the it was like this i told the sea org member that they could leave and mentioned you and then they cleared that up sort of but then i said i was going to leave scientology to um to one of my friends in there and uh that was like that triggered everything right yeah, yeah that's the kind of thing that sets them off um, what is one of your favorite memories from your Scientology experience? Um, it was that one of the uh, funniest memories that I have is um, being in the course room and we were doing um, these uh, training uh, things where um, you're supposed to, um, it's sort of like a version of bull baiting where you're trying to mess with someone but you're trying to mess with someone while they're trying to make you do one of the objectives. So the, the auditor would be like, go look at that wall, touch that wall, turn around. But like your job as the person that's supposed to be touching and turning around and stuff is to fuck with them as much as you can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, my twin was not a Scientologist. And so like he was brand new like me. And um, so he wasn't really putting, like he just, he couldn't get into the mode of like messing with me. So one of the um, one of the uh, course supervisors uh, came over and he was like trying to show us how to really do it. And um, I don't know, this might be controversial. I mean, he, it was he, him that did it, but he had a he had sort of a limp like mm -hmm. he um, it was something that uh, was just like apparent all the time. And so he what he did was he was like, I'm going to show you how to do this. And so he was doing it on me. He was the person that was like walking from wall to wall. And as I like, you're supposed to like, if they don't go, you're supposed to move them. And so he, <laughs> I went over to move him and he starts going, oh, oh, my leg. And like, just fucking with me about like how I'd hurt him. And I immediately was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's like, Fuck. He's like, Fuck. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And it was just, I'm sorry. It was just funny. It was like just a really funny moment. Um, and it was just, I mean, it's one of those moments that like, I think it's one of my favorites just because, I mean, it's unique and weird and like that stuff is not really very humorous because people are doing it way too much. Like they're spending all their evenings there, but like in that moment, that like little bit of like relief and human moment was like, it was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Big time, big time. <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know. I, you know, the attitude is, is, is like when you go to the gym you know, no pain, no gain, right? You're going to experience discomfort. You're going to experience things you don't like, you don't want. You'd rather not be doing. 
And I think that I remember going to courses and thinking, you know, yeah, this is hard. This is difficult. Sometimes I don't enjoy this. But there were lots of human moments, lots of points of, of, of real human connection because because everybody kind of feels that way when you're yeah. in the, when you're in it, you know, you're doing these drills and they are hard to do. And you're doing these practical assignments. And sometimes you got to like go, damn, I got I don't I, I really got to deal with some things right now. Now, some of it is really, really bad, though, because what you're ramping yourself up to do is violate somebody else's boundaries. Or, you know, you got to amp yourself up to go get in somebody's face or ask them very, very personal, sharp and pointed questions when you're, you know, going to be an auditor and you have to kind of get over your shyness and your, 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 your unwillingness to, you know, as Hubbard puts it, invade privacy. Hubbard was very bold about it. He said straight up, you got to invade privacy. You know, mm-hmm. so um, so everybody's kind of in that mix when you're especially yeah. new when they're new. Right. And mm-hmm. they got to overcome that stuff. Uh, all right. Now we get a couple other questions here. Let's see. Uh, we know you were not declared a suppressive that we know of. Um, one and oh, yeah, this person wants to know if cat officially routed out with a sec check. No, that's not how that went. Um, and if you listen to the original podcast, we talk in detail about how she ended up getting a boot. Uh, it was a poor, it was a passive aggressive boot. Yeah. You know, pretty much. yeah. I mean, they did, ha- they did send one person to talk to me that seemed kind of like a final, like checking in, make sure that I'm not going to talk shit, but definitely not trying to get me back in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, somebody also asks here, Xion, how does Scientology mark your folder when they dead file a person? What they do, um, do you know? Do you know anything about this? Yeah, what they do yeah. is they they have little tabs, color coded tabs that they put on the files, um, so they can so you can see at a glance, you know, the various color coding for the, the different central files. They have different files they keep on you in Scientology. I'm not going to go on a whole dissertation about that because that's a lot. But um, uh, so you have your PC folder for your auditing, but your central file is the letter file. It's the file for correspondence and invoices and copies of your success stories and stuff. That goes into your central file. And the central files folder is the one that gets dead filed. And so what they do is they put literally put a black tab on it. And uh, at least as far as I know, it's black. And uh, that would fit for dead filed because they don't like people who are dead filed. <laughs> dead people can't send them money. Nope, they cannot. Dead, dead people are useless to them. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. Are the files troublemakers and so-called suppressives marked as such so everyone who has to handle the file knows right away what is going on? Yes, that's exactly the point. Um, is that organization has dead filed this person. And then also all of this is duplicated electronically too. So all the central files are actually scanned into a computer now and um, that information is sent up the line to Scientology International. So they have a database, a master database of all Scientologists everywhere in the world by name, address, phone, etc. And... Um, that's how they keep tabs on this stuff. And so electronically with databases, they can tab files with different 
tabs, and dead file is one of those tabs. Um, okay. Can a person be PTS to an SP that they know even when they aren't being suppressed by them? What do you think? Can they be PTS to an SP with, that they know is an SP? Mm-hmm. Without, uh, not... being, without being suppressed by the SP. Um, I think it would be like if they're even in contact with them, they're by virtue of that being suppressed. I don't know. Correct. That is the correct answer. You cannot, <laughs> even the, the sheer fact of a connection to a suppressive is enough to re-stimulate and interbulate, as they say in Scientology. And that is why any connection to a suppressive must be severed immediately and at once because they can get you. Yeah, it's almost like a supernatural, like your energies are mixing and it's no good. That's right. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, I mean, what does interbulate mean? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) Kat, you are definitely my kind of people, one of our commenters (laughs) says here. All right. Um, Looking for question marks. Do you feel... um, Oh, I don't know what that question means exactly. What do you think of this? Somebody asked, did you feel any temptation? Oh, did you feel any temptation to go full Stockholm with the org? <laughs> uh, meaning? Join, uh, for real. For, oh, um, no, uh, I did not feel that way. Like, I didn't ever um, want to go full on, like, I'm a Scientologist now, but I did have a I think I discussed it with you before, but I did have a strange feeling that I was aware of was happening was um, I subconsciously was sort of rooting for them to do well. Mm-hmm. Like I was sad for them that they weren't getting their fundraising uh, hits and they, you know, there was different things where I found myself sort of rooting for them because I, I wanted them to get what they wanted. And then it occurred to me like, well, what they want is something that I'm against. So it's a little right. bit strange. That's right. That's right. I actually learned a little bit more about that phenomena in my studies this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because it has to do with when we join a group or we call ourselves something or we ally with a group, we tend to start taking on the characteristics of that group and the attitudes and views of that group. That's what it means to be an ally or group member in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so we naturally, organically start changing how we think to filter things through the lens of that group. And this is any group we're part of, uh, from a marriage to a, a relationship to a job to a club to sports to whatever. So we just naturally start doing that. And it's, it's, it's a way we categorize ourselves. And um, and that's why it seems weird because we know in your case, you know, you're entering into this group that you didn't think you were going to be doing that with. But it's just actually you can't help it. The second you yeah. start identifying as something, your brain goes into action to start lining up everything to make sense according to the values of that group. Mm-hmm. I have a great way to illustrate this actually real quick. I was uh, part of a co-op that was, uh, it's like a student housing organization. And there was a party one night, like a a costume party. 
and some guy came dressed as a um, Scientology staff member and like he nailed it like he looked like a staff member that's I mean I walked up to him and I was like are you dressed what I think you're dressed as and he had like a little pamphlet in his hand and whatever so he told me yeah he was dressed as a staff member and I had this really crazy feeling of like I was like I hate I kind of hated him for that, in that right, moment. right I was just like I was just like how dare you make they they work so hard like why are you making fun of it like you don't even understand man like yes that's just how I felt I was I mean yes. it was that's what I'm talking offended. about that's what I'm talking yeah. about exactly you're nailing it that's right did uh, did the staff like you did the staff and, and did, did the rest of the org staff and students like you a lot was the question um, there were particular members of the staff that, um, seemed like they really liked me that I got along with really well. And then there were staff members that seemed to just be doing their job, um, that kind of hung back. Um, and then the other students, I didn't really get to know them very well because, um, I didn't have as much of a chance to socialize with them. Uh, staff members were, I think there was a detail about my experience that I talked about. Um, I worked at the UT campus, but my job was like not in an office. I was sort of mobile. Um, so I had time during the day to go into the org and chat up the staff. And they didn't really have a whole lot going on. So I ended up having a lot of conversations with the staff and those. So the students, the other students, I didn't really have occasion to chat them up and, you know, so whatever. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. And um, do you know if anyone from the Austin org has left since you were there? Not that I know of. Um, there was a guy that uh, was on staff that blew, um, but I think he was still wanting to get back in the good graces of them. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, was there ever a point or multiple points where you had to remind yourself the organization was not healthy? Um, yeah, I mean, there was, it was, a. I mean, I knew that it was not healthy the whole time, but there were, uh, sort of calculated decisions I had to make about, um, how much time I spent there. And, um, it was a fine line. I mean, there were certain parts, uh, especially towards the end where my emotions were getting affected a lot. And, um, it was like, what was, what did help me stay grounded was I had a really good group of friends. And um, one of my friends pointed out to me how much I was being emotionally affected at a certain point. And it really did like kind of, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, this is taking up a lot of my head space. Um, maybe dial it back a little bit. Mm. Um, and the other thing that helped was my twin on the HQS was uh, traveled a lot. And so it really helped me um, limit uh, the amount of time I spent in the course room it helped me space it out a lot. And so I wasn't there every night, um, which I definitely needed. Like I, I wanted to make sure that um, if I wasn't feeling good or if like I was just not into it, that I didn't make myself go. I was like, I'm not going to follow these rules about like showing up because they're not real. And I don't think they're going to kick me out um, if I violate them. So. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I'll ask you a question also on the, on this line is, oh, well, here's another question first, uh, which is a good one. Do you miss Scientology and the people there? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't miss Scientology, but I miss some of the people there and it's kind of sad that I'll never get to talk to them again. Um, 
there's a I think whenever I watch the movie The Master, I kind of miss this kind of ridiculous um, sensation about Scientology, which is that it's this sort of imaginary land and everyone's playing a game. And it's um, that's there's something about that that's really interesting. I don't necessarily miss it, but uh, it's something that's sort of captivating uh, still because, I mean, people are playing make believe. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's uh, it's an interesting uh, headspace to be in because it's this totally imaginary land that one guy created. And it's kind of like a little bit like a really intense D&D game or something. <laughs> LARPing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think? You know, from that, from the, you spent, you know, uh, over a year there. This was not a short little jaunt. You didn't do a one-off, you know, like most of these reporters and journalists and stuff do where they go in and take a personality test and then come back and write some, you know, bullshit article about how, oh, wow, their personality test was so weird. Yeah, tell us something we don't know, (laughs) right? But you were there for a long time. You immersed yourself in this for real to the point where you were getting into the headspace what is it that they are playing at you know because i agree with you completely it's a world of make-believe but Mm -hmm. they take it seriously um how seriously do you think they take it from what you encountered there at austin uh from your experience with the staff and and the limited amount of experience you had with the sea org um I felt like uh, some of the people I really connected to were some of the people that were raised in it um, because they kind of weren't in that, like they weren't as much playing that make-believe game. They were just sort of doing it because that's what they were raised to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were kind of a little bit more normal in that sense, like just as like to be, to talk to. But um, some of the people, like the especially the older people that were uh, around whenever Hubbard was in, they talked about it very much in this um, this way where they really got into the um, more mystical, crazy ideas that Hubbard had, and they were actually very, very enraptured by it. I think that's what I mean, is that the people that had joined of their own volition were much more enraptured by the like awe of Hubbard and like the uh, the story and the ideas and, st- and the powers that you could potentially have and the people that um, were born into it um, were a little bit more um, kind of just going through the motions, I felt. Hmm. That's, that's an interesting observation. Um, how, what would you say the ratio was? Well, okay, first off, how many people were there? Like, like total, if you were going to estimate how many active Scientologists you saw in your time with Austin, about how many people are we talking about? Um, I'd say at the biggest event they had maybe 300, but most events they had less than 200 or, and graduation nights, it was like 50 people. Okay. About 50 showing up. That was Friday nights, right? It was graduation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was, so that was a fairly large turnout for them. About 50 folks showing up. Yeah. That was a, that was on a big graduation night. Right. Um, And I think you said people. I think you said, oh, thanks, Susan. Thanks for that super chat. Um, but, oh, by the way, folks, super chats always get to the top of the queue in terms of questions. But we got nice questions rolling in at a steady rate here, so that's not a problem. Um, they, uh, 
what was I going to say? I just lost my thought there. They they were oh yeah, you said there were about twenty people max per night in the course room. Yeah. Okay. So out of those, let's say, 200 Scientologists actively doing services in Austin, let's be generous and say there's 200 of them. About how many do you think or would you estimate, um, and I know that we're not doing exact science here, were second gen versus the old school guys? Um, I don't know. I feel like it was maybe half and half, really. Um I, and I only estimated that by um, the age of people. So I just assumed the older people were first gen and that the younger kids uh, had to be second gen. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't really know any 20 year olds that are <laughs> joining Scientology. Right, right. Yeah. How old was your, um, was your partner, your twin on the course, the new guy? Um, I'd say he was like 40, maybe a little younger. Oh, okay. Oh, so he was an older guy. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, he had his own business and stuff. He was, I had no idea what he was doing there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm seeing in the comments here, there's a little bit of a conversation about doing the Purif. I will definitely say to you, Rune, out there, um, before you engage in any kind of activity, like stepping in a sauna for two and a half to five hours a day with mega doses of vitamins and niacin, um, please watch my videos on the topic so that you're fully informed because Scientology's information on the purification program is not complete. Uh, and that's the most generously nice thing I can say about it. I mean, it is straight up pseudoscience, but, um, but they are not giving you all the information you need to have. And there are some real, real whopping lies connected with the purification rundown. Uh, and the detox program that they do, you know, with that. So just going to throw that out there and and say, get it, you know, please watch my videos on that topic. Um, okay, so let's see. Now, we do we have any other questions for Kat from you folks? I think I have caught up with all of them. Uh, let's see. Yeah, missed those people. Got into the uh, Purif stuff. Okay, cool. What did you, here's a question I'm going to ask you. What did you, if anything, did you get out of this whole experience that was positive? Was there any Scientology that was pure Scientology, not just as an ancillary unintended consequence of it, but did you get anything out of the actual Scientology that was, that you experienced? Um... And I got nothing on it one way or the other. This is not a loaded question. I'm not no, setting no, you up fine. here. I, I'm yeah. genuinely curious. Um, I think that the way that people did checklists was I, I thought that was kind of interesting because I have a real hard time keeping organized and stuff. And so I tried that on a few things. And I think it kind of helps to break things. Like it's a very basic thing, but it's just breaking things down by steps. Um, that can be kind of useful, but I didn't ever end up like using it long-term. Okay. Um, and then, um, the only other thing that really sticks out is, uh, the idea of ARC and it's that whole idea. It's very, very basic. Like one of those things that can draw you in because it's so universal, but, um, the idea of affinity reality and, um, communication and how those things, uh, help you. Or like if you have those things with someone, um, it's a good determinant of whether or not you're going to 
vibe with them essentially mm-hmm. um i felt that that was pretty true i mean uh but it's also like super obvious like if you share the same values the same and you communicate well with someone and like you have the same you'll have affinity for them it's pretty obvious yes it it is and yet at the same time i will say for sure on that line that that is a tool that i got a great deal of mileage out of Uh, In Scientology, what we're talking about here is, if for those of you guys who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about something called the ARC Triangle. And this is a sort of a philosophic tool in Scientology where the idea is that affinity is your degree of liking or closeness with somebody, and reality is shared agreement, right? Shared common views on things. And communication, of course, is, you know, it's communication, talking, interrelating, you know, sharing ideas. So the idea with ARC is that by working on one point of that triangle, by working on, let's say, the affinity part, by trying to be, you know, liking somebody more, wanting to, you know, cozy up to them, be nice to them or whatever, by doing that part, by doing that work, you increase the reality and you increase the communication or potential degree of communication you can have with that person. And so ARC becomes a measure of how much you like or get along with other people, but it's also supposed to total up to understanding. And, um, and honestly, I will say that as a tool for interpersonal relations, it's more workable than not. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem, of course, my, my critique with it is it's not universal. It doesn't always work the way Hubbard says it will work. Mm-hmm. Um, you cozy up to a serial killer, you're not going to get the reaction you think you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think those um, those things are, like, you can't necessarily create those things. Like, they already have to be there. And then you, if they are there, maybe you can improve them with those um, ideas. Exactly. So. Exactly. How many children would you say were in the org? Do you see any like, kids? Um, like, like, like little kids running around? Yeah, or anybody, you know, let's say people under 18. Um, people, there was mostly little kids. Um, There's like three or four little kids usually. Uh, there was two kids that um, the ED, the one of the EDs uh, belonged to one of the EDs and they were, they were always in the org. Okay, EDs being the executive director, the person who's running the show, yeah. Yeah. Again, acronyms, man, it's It's all about it. I know, you just come out of that world talking that way. It's not even a hit. It's just just funny. (laughs) Yeah, when I I went to that party in Clearwater and talked to a lot of ex-Scientologists, they were like, are you, you are a Scientologist. I was like, (laughs) no, I'm not. It's just really easy to like slip into that language because like I can't talk to anyone outside of Scientology in this language, but like I know that you guys know what this means, so I'm just slipping into it. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, somebody's asking about you personally. This is great. I, I We've been talking so much about the Scientology stuff, of course. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> there have been no questions about you or person. And by that, I mean, what type of person are you? Introverted, extroverted? How long you've been writing? Favorite genre, book to read? Oh, um, well, I'm pretty much just a random person. Um, <laughs> I have no qualifications to have done what I did. Um, so I just, I'm a person that lives in Austin. Uh, I'm working on becoming a teacher. Um, I've done comedy for many years. 
Um, what's that favorite genre? Yeah, favorite uh, books. books. Yeah, what's your favorite uh, book to read? What um, kind of genre? I really like stuff from the 1920s, so like really basic ass shit that uh, really rags on. Yeah, I, like I did not I know that about you. 1920s. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a very niche interest. How, how, what is it about the 20s that, 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 that interests you? Um, well, I just really like their, uh, their writing style that was around in the, during that time, the expats and the people that were, like what they were dealing with psychologically just really interests me because World War I had been so devastating and like everyone was kind of shell-shocked after that. And so the writing that came out of that period, like right afterwards, um, is just super interesting because everything up to that point uh, before World War One, technology looked like it was helping and going to be a great thing for civilization. And then the world, the devastation of World War One, just totally blew that away. And everyone was like, "Oh, we are just we're just the architects of our own destruction." And everyone was super disillusioned. And so all the literature that comes out, like of the period right after that, is super interesting to me. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Gatsby and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Interesting and stuff. Hemingway's probably my favorite. Cool. Yeah. I like uh I like that stuff too. What was did was Hemingway the Pearl? Uh or is that that was I Steinbeck? Know, I, don't think so. I think that was Steinbeck, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, so. yeah. Okay, cool. Um have you thought about writing a book about your adventures in Scientology? Um I, I've given it some thought. I, I don't know. I mean, someone did say in the comments, they were like, no more books. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I kind of agree with you a little bit. Um, I don't know. If I was to write something, I would heavily try to make it comedic because I want to do something that's not. My experience had a lot of, there was a lot of pain that came out of it, but I think I had enough of an, an easy experience that I could write it in a way that is less about the trauma and more like just trying to entertain people. So maybe, I mean, I've thought about it. So Cool. I would, I for one would love to see the original sort of genus of this whole idea come to fruition yeah. at some point, but that's, of course, that's, that's a hundred percent up to you. <laughs> I mean, cause there, uh, there is comedic fodder here for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at it, if you sort of angle the view from here to here, you can start laughing at it. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, or find things that are that are comedic in it. Did mm -hmm. um, I have a question before I ask you? Any uh, there was a couple other questions here, but I I wanted to ask you. Did in in the time you were there, what if anything did you hear about the subjects of psychology and psychiatry? Not in terms of what you read from Hubbard, but heard or listened to or saw at the events and stuff. Um. So there was just, I mean, uh, pretty much all the time, like offhanded uh, comments that were talking shit about psychiatry and psychiatric drugs. Um, it was just a pretty common thing to say. Like um, somebody, there was like a, I think that year there was a, a guy that came into uh, UT and um, killed himself on the like top floor of the library after running around with a gun and shooting it. He didn't kill anybody else, but uh, I remember um, the conversation that I had with, oh, actually one of the guys, the one of the course soups, the guy that um, was a student at UT, I think he knew the guy and, um, or he wow. was like in a class with him or something. Cause the news interviewed him. He was like on the news uh, talking about this guy. But anyway, the uh, conversation in the org about that whole situation was he was on psychiatric meds. 
he must have been on psychiatric meds, you know? So it would come up like that. Like there was someone that this was way before I was there, but there was someone that drove their car into the front uh, windows of the org and smashed it up. Um, oh, that happened yeah. there, didn't it? <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, they had like a picture of her like behind the front desk, like if she comes in, like watch out. Like, um, so, and I mean, I don't blame them for that. Um, but yeah, the whole thing about that was like, oh, she was, she had gone to like a treatment center or something. There was like a whole theory about her right. psychiatric meds. Interesting. Yeah, they are, they are definitely down on that stuff. They're very one trick pony with that stuff. It's always just the simple Simon it, it's psych drugs, psych drugs. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like that with these guys. Um, Ha, do you have any family in Scientology? Henny asks. No. Okay. And has have you watched the Aftermath show? Um, yeah, I have. Uh, it's actually interesting. I started watching it after I started doing this, um, the whole thing. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. And that definitely made it a little bit harder to be um, in the org sometimes because I'd watch like a super heavy episode about this horrible thing that had happened and then I would go into the org and just be like kind of like you guys need to stop that's right that's right and that is actually one of the biggest challenges to doing a thing like this you know um people talk all the time I've been asked so many times, why don't why doesn't somebody go in and infiltrate and find out all the secrets and come out with evidence? Well, this is why. Because it's hard. Yeah. There's a human cost to it, you know. I I can't imagine that like like you said to really get to like the I mean it would take years and years and you would have to go through like much more intense ranks and stuff. Uh, I can I mean, as soon as I got in contact with Clearwater, the intensity of it was so much more um, and I don't think a, any por- person could really like withstand that. That would be like a very undercover, like getting in with the mob kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's intense. it's a and it's a very very suitable analogy. Um, you know, Wassel, Jeff, Doctor Jeff Wassel, and I uh, have spoken many times on this podcast about the the mafia model of Scientology, how it fits up with a mafia-type model in terms of organized crime and the way it's structured. But that kind of thing also, what Jeff and I often don't talk about with that, is how is the mafia mindset and the way that that, you know, that kind of extremist mindset does filter down to all the people who become part of that group. Even if they're not part of the criminal operation of it, they're still influenced by that. You know, that's still part of the model. And uh, and it's and it is like that. It's this very family loyal, you know, in group yeah. out group thing. You know, you're talking about us versus them. Yeah. Would you Would you believe that uh, I'm also super interested in the mafia? No, I, that <laughs> so, doesn't yeah. surprise me at all. Of course. Very, uh, yeah, yeah. Me too. Uh, thank you, Danielle, for that super chat. Very much appreciate that. Uh, definitely uh, love the support. Um, how often did you think about quitting? Um, like I said, there was multiple parts where, um, I wasn't sure, uh, whether to keep going or to stay. And, um, so like there was certain milestones, like whenever they were trying to sell me the HQS, which would have been a $500 like buy-in, um, I was definitely like, okay, decision time, I might quit. Um, and then up like 
whenever we were on the HQS and it was coming up to a point where we were going to have to do the thing where you stare at the person without saying anything for like three hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I seriously was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I might just bounce. Like I just really don't know if I can do this. And, um, I, uh, uh, Ben, the front desk guy who's, um, we were talking about it, uh, one day and I was like, yeah, I just, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go through with this, uh, the staring contest and he was like it's not that bad I, it's, i've done it a few times and i was like oh god yeah but I, yeah it was it was stuff like that where i was um i thought about quitting a bunch of times cool yeah. I, I since it since the question was for both of us i will also say i thought about it all the damn time you know as a staff member as a sea org member there were times that i did quit there were times i took off twice once as a staff member once as a as a sea org member um, you know, I left for days and then came back. Um, it's, it's a, it's a hard knock life, <laughs> baby. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. Uh, okay. Um, I was somebody saying here, I thought you'd like to hear this. I, I sincerely admire what you did. Oh, thank I, you. I've always thought about it, but I don't think I could handle it mentally. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely don't recommend anyone do it. Um, I mean, I, I'm glad that I had the experience. It's it's a really unique experience, and I learned a lot. But uh, I do not recommend it. It's pretty dicey. Right. It's interesting to me how um, I initially told you, you know, when you first contacted me about this and were like, I think I'm thinking about going into the org and doing this, I was kind of like, yeah, m maybe that's not such a good idea. <laughs> I was thinking about that from the point of view of, you know, you getting caught and having to go through all the rigmarole of that. And, there, and it can be a little humiliating. But I was thinking about it more from the practical point of view of, you know, we really, unless a professional is doing this, we've really not seen a whole lot of... Um, you know, we haven't seen anything come out of the organization from people doing this that was so amazing and so blow away that it exposed a whole new level of Scientology that none of us knew about or provided evidence of anything we didn't already know about. Mm -hmm. So that's why I have tended to sort of poo-poo the idea of individuals taking it upon themselves to go do this. And And you are, like I said, you're not the only person who who's ever done this or has ever talked about doing it. But now that I've had this, this, this conversation with you and this, and you have done it and you had had that experience, there's a whole nother level of reasons to not do it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which have to do with the personal toll it takes on you, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is, this is the reality of, of being an undercover police officer, for example, you know, it's stressful. Mm -hmm. Just being undercover all by itself is stressful. And in addition to all yeah. the crap you have to do, you know? Yeah, it's a, I mean, uh, not just Scientology itself, but like just the idea of having like a sort of a double life going on. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit much. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think it's possible to go, uh, oh, actually, let me comment on one thing. Yes, the mafia is a cult. I'm glad we've had that realization now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um Question to you both, do you think celebrities will always be part of Scientology, or do you think as more exposure comes out, the numbers will deplete? What's your, what's your take on that? Um, 
Yeah, I think they definitely will deplete, but there's always people that are interested in Scientology that, especially if they have a lot of money, um, that'll give it a shot. But uh, I, I definitely feel like a lot of the Scientologists that are celebrities are even second gen now, you know, mm-hmm. so um, they didn't even, you know, get them recruiting wise. It was just second gen. So uh, I really don't know. I think that it'll probably get smaller and smaller. Yeah, I, I tend to go in that direction as well. Um, because it is hard to get new members in the face of the toxicity of their PR, you know, and until Scientology turns that around, which, you know, I, 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 it's a long hill to climb at this point. And I really doubt the competency of the people who would do that work to make it happen. So I think Scientology is going to continue shrinking in other words, um, celebrity and otherwise the thing to consider also another thing to consider about celebrities and bigwigs who get involved in scientology is there's probably more going on behind the scenes than we know including financial shenanigans you know scientology just to throw this out there as food for thought for you guys right now and not get into a big long roll about this but scientology offers a great deal of benefits to people with money as a tax-exempt organization that you can give money to where you're making tax-deductible donations, as well as other things that might be going on behind the scenes that could use a church vehicle to make certain things happen financially that otherwise wouldn't be possible. And if you think through what I just said, you'll come to all kinds of potentials of what Scientology could be up to financially behind the scenes that could be quite different from what they say they're doing put it that way all right do you think it's possible to go into a scientology org and learn about the beliefs without getting to be deeply entrenched what do you think um yes uh but you would have to uh show up do your coursework and not talk to anyone i mean really keep it short like my, like I, I, the only way, the only reason I know or think that is because my twin didn't really get socially involved with uh, people and he didn't go in there to infiltrate Scientology, but I just saw that he was not uh, going to events. He wasn't really chatting up people. And the reason why I chatted up people was my curiosity just like kept growing and growing. And so I wanted to know about people. Um, so the only way that you can avoid getting connections is you just can't talk to anyone. Exactly. And that's, and that's going to be hard. It, that's exactly right. And we're really hitting right on. I, I got to stress this just from, from the cult perspective, right? I really want to get this out there is that cults are primarily a social vehicle. It's not about the belief set. It's about the social dynamics of the group that make it so culty. Right. And, and of course, the abuse that gets piled on and the isolation mm-hmm. and control. Yeah. Um, but not but that's not as easily facilitated. That's not as easily executed or carried out if you are not buying into the group as a social thing. Yeah. You know, as, and, and you just made the, the you just made the, the, the perfect point about that. What about teaching intrigues you? How did you know that was something you wanted to do? Um, well, I did a uh, substitute teaching. Um, and so I, I don't really like, uh, I like kids, but I, I don't really know how to talk to them, but, uh, teenagers, uh, 
I had a great time in high school, so I feel like I get uh, along with uh, high school kids. And so um, it's mostly a combination of like my experience substitute teaching and realizing that I kind of enjoyed that environment. And then um, when I got my degree in history, um, I didn't immediately want to teach, but one of the only ways to continue engaging with that subject is to teach it. And so um, I just really want to continue engaging with that. And that's kind of led me to be like, okay, teaching is probably the best avenue to do that. Awesome. Um, Somebody asks, I was recently invited to a Mormon service and I'm considering accepting just to check out their cult antics. (laughs) Do you have any advice for me? Um, I mean, just, uh, don't get it into your head that you should keep going. (laughs) I mean, like it's, I I don't discourage, like if you want to experience that, like I I can't, uh, deny that like it is interesting and, uh, I'm, I've never been to a Mormon service, but like my, I'm, I'm curious myself to see what they do, but, um, I would say don't, uh, don't, uh, get the idea that you want to just keep going with it because then you'll end up like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I will say, I will say that, um, a Mormon service you would be invited to is not going to have anything controversial, weird or strange in it. It's going to be a very open, friendly, inviting situation where they're simply praising God or doing whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and it's going to be very non-controversial. If you want to see the controversial side of Mormonism, you got to get in the temple. And if you're a woman, that's not going to happen unless you get married. And even then, it's not going to happen very often. Um, So, yeah, they're very friendly. They are very chill. They are some of the most socially acceptable, nice people you will ever meet. Mormons are amazing that way. Um, But you you want to see... Go ahead. Uh, if you want to see some wacky antics, just go to a Pentecostal church. They'll bust it out right away. Exactly. Exactly. If you want to yeah. go, if you want to go watch some cult antics, mm-hmm. go go look up the evangelicals or, um, you know, yeah, the Pentecostals and stuff. You'll you'll find some. You'll find some when they start pulling out the snakes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They they wear that on their sleeve. Exactly. Yeah, Mormons are are super super nice people. The fact of the matter is that from my experience with with Mormonism, and I've been to Utah, I've been to I, I've actually been to the Mormon temple. I haven't gone inside it because they don't let you if you're not a Mormon. But um, but I, I you know I've I've done that work, and it's not that interesting actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's that uh, you, you got to get deep 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 in before you're going to get to the to some of the nastier stuff. All right. So cool. I think we should probably move toward wrapping up. Okay. How has, uh, has there been anything that has not come up that you thought should or, or that we should cover? Um, I think, uh, one thing I wanted to mention was, uh, that I feel like Scientology, um, the sort of the underlying, um, agreement that you make with uh, the whenever you go into courses and course rooms um, it hadn't occurred to me until I was thinking about it earlier today there's this underlying agreement to the strictness of it where you're kind of giving authority to so let me explain let, let me yeah. back up a little bit yeah go right ahead um, so I think there's a, a lot of things that you subtly agree to that aren't explicit um, and one of the big things is um, 
that you kind of give away some authority to the people that run the org um, as soon as you start doing courses because um, they are very strict in the course room. Like um, it irritated me a lot at first because I couldn't, uh, yeah, I couldn't um, get up and just go out the door. I had to ask permission to go to the bathroom. I couldn't come and go as I pleased. Um, it was very quiet in the study room. Um, everything was very, very much uh, controlled and very, very strict. And if you sort of agree to that, you're kind of agreeing to let these people have authority because they, they, there's also the ethics that back it up. Like if you are late or something like that, you have to go see the ethics officer. And so by saying like, yeah, I'll go see the ethics officer because I was five minutes late. You're saying, yes, these per the, it's okay to give this authority to these people to tell me what's acceptable and what's not. Um, and it's that's sort of just like in a little insidious thing where you're just agreeing that it's okay to be this strict. It's okay to be this kind of crazy about this uh, work, um, even if you're just casually doing it, so. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for pointing that out. It's very true. And I, of course, used to be on the other end of that. I was the supervisor. I was the guy being the asshole. I was enforcing yeah. all the rules, right? Yeah, it's funny stuff. Um, somebody asked me, how many other religions have you investigated? I think that question is to me. Um, a, a lot. <laughs> Quite a few. More than I, more than I ever wanted to. Um, and can you use headphones in the course room, say, to listen to music as you study? Okay, good. Now, I <laughs> I have to also, I, I would have said no as well, because it's absolutely against the rules. I was shocked to find out that in Phoenix, they'll let you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're oh. pretty slack over there. I was really surprised. There was, a, there was another person who's not, he wasn't doing infiltration. He was next member, but he and yeah. I were talking about that. And he, he was like, yeah, they let me listen to music. I could get up and walk out whenever I wanted. I was like, what? Wow, they, they really you know. need to get their they need, need to get their ethics in <laughs> over at uh, Phoenix. That's right. <laughs> They're so out of ethics there. Uh, okay, good, good, good talk, guys. Um, thank you very much, folks, for your questions on this one. I think we I think we had a pretty good show here. Got managed to cover a lot of territory on this from Kat's experience. Kat, thank you very much for oh. for doing this. I don't often in fact I've never had a guest come back for a QA follow-up after a show but i thought you know we covered a lot but you know you can as you said at the end of our first podcast you can't really cover every single detail of this stuff yeah. in a in a one go you know so yeah. thanks for coming back and doing this and, of and course. yeah and I, I think folks are are happy to have you there um thanks for having me yeah and thanks for what you did you know you uh you have helped other people i hope as time goes on here and people more and more people see our podcasts on this i think i can now have something to point to and people say well you know somebody should go into the church i'll go okay here you go yeah here's what that looks yeah. like you know yeah. <laughs> so. Good. all right cool well thanks like i said thanks again and and folks out there um oh i need to get a plug-in in this uh podcast. Oh my God, I have not done this at all. And I am totally blowing it here. Um, in fact, I'm going to have to do it next week because I did not plan that appropriately at all. So I'm not even going to try. 
Next week, you will see a, um, a more expanded ad from me for The Great Courses Plus, but I, I woefully did not prepare for that this week. So uh, I will simply say um, check out the link to The Great Courses Plus because it is literally saving my life right now as a uni a grad student. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of resources there. Link below that you guys can check out, and uh, and that's good stuff. So that means I meant to get that in there, and then I totally spaced on it this morning. I was gonna I was gonna put a little thing together on that. All right, guys, we will see you. Let's see. What is our next effort here on the channel? I don't know that I have anything. Well, we have Q&A tomorrow. I will be uh, filming that later today. And then podcast next week. I don't have any live streams uh, set up for this week except for Critical Conversations next Friday. All right, guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Boom. Boom. <laughs>